Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hi, everyone. My name is Darren. Great to be with you and welcome to part number five of our Healthy series. Today is about grief and loss, a very common story in humanity. See, across the course of our life, we lose many things, our youthfulness, our routines. COVID is a perfect example of this. We lose our independence and at times our stability in life. It may look very different for many different people. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a death in the family, maybe a suicide, a divorce, infertility may be part of your story or a miscarriage. The losses of hopes and dreams and opportunities and so much more. You see, at times we might feel betrayed and angry towards ourself, our family, our friends, our church leaders, or even towards God. See, my own experience centered around the loss of my dad. He was far more than that. He was a friend, he was a mentor and a godly example. At the age of 62, my father was diagnosed with leukemia just after he had finished his final day of the working career and moved from Sydney up to Brisbane to spend time with my sister, myself and our families, to enjoy life as a grandparent, to spend time just giving of himself, to answer my questions, to live life together. Sadly, for the 18 months that he was there in Brisbane, 15 months of that was spent in a hospital. Three months period of remission was the only short time away from this institution. All during this confusion, there was a wild and emotional turmoil that was happening in me that somehow included a transition into a counselling degree. I really wanted to tell Dad this. And so three days before Dad's homecoming, I shared the news about my application to a small Christian college to start my training in 2010. The thing is, I'm never sure that he heard me. I so wanted to hear his voice and his affirmation, but that seemed to go unheard. Despite the prayers and belief of our family for an incredible miracle, our desires were not to be in the way that we hoped or planned. You see, I was angry and I was guilty. I sat outside the bedroom door with my father dying on the opposite side of the wall. And I wanted to go into him and say something, but I couldn't go in. I didn't know how to. What would I say? What would I do? How could I feel? I finally summoned up the courage to walk in and to begin asking him about his life, trying to get the wisdom that I could while he was still breathing. But I was told by a relative to stop. I was so angry with them and I didn't know what to do. The pain was so intense and palpable. When dad was in so much pain and he couldn't handle it anymore, we called the ambulance and two paramedics came to took him from the home that he knew into hospital. We went to a local hospital, but sadly there was a jurisdictional battle in the medical system and dad was not actually given the pain relief that he so needed. Instead, he was trapped outside on a cold September evening while a 15-minute debate happened about what would happen. 
Instead of me being able to spend my last time with Dad, I was instead spending 15 minutes consoling a junior ambulance paramedic who couldn't understand what was going on and was mortified herself. Sadly, after 15 minutes, Dad was packed back in the ambulance and driven to the hospital on the other side of town. Upon arriving at that hospital at 2am, September 27, 2009, my dad passed away. Leaving the hospital that night was so hard because I didn't just feel like I abandoned my dad at a time that he needed something, but we walked away and left him cold, dead and alone. You see, in our pain, we try and shortcut anything that we can to avoid our deep wounds. We demand that anything or everything take away our pain because it is just too much to bear. We try to numb our pain through denial or addictions, blaming and avoidance. We rationalise and we intellectualise what could happen. We minimise and distract. Anything to attack and defend against the pain that is so doing the damage to us. Maybe we do it with continuous entertainment, with endless busyness. Maybe self-development is our thing. Maybe it's overeating or overexercise. It could be substance abuse or relationships. Maybe it's even overdosing on church activity. You see, in my experience, church typically has a very poor theology when it comes to anger, sadness, pain and depression. We ask each other who we know are going through incredible pain, how are you? And our answer is often the same. I'm fine, thank you so much. See, in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter three, it really debunks that idea. In verse one and four, it says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. Do you see the Bible says different seasons for different things. A few hours after my dad had passed away, Christy, my wife and I were praying with the kids as we often did that night. I normally prayed with them and Christy said, go ahead, it's your turn. And I said, I can't. She said, but you have to. And I said, I can't. I was hurting so much. The pain was so raw. See, the celebration service happened five days later. It was very special and incredibly honouring to who dad was but it really did mask the depth of my anger at myself, at the system and at God. It was a day later that I was out walking and I said, God, you stay right here. I'm going on alone for a while, thank you very much because I, you gave up on me earlier or so I thought and I can't handle that relationship right now. For the next number of Saturday nights, I just embraced the trauma of what that meant. I was processing through the guilt and the anger, the disillusionment, the hurt and the emptiness that I felt. And yet every Sunday at church, I smiled and said I was fine. See, my experience, I resonate with Job so closely. His pain that was so real and so raw. In Job chapter three, verse three, he says, may the day of my birth be erased. He was basically saying, God, why am I even here? 
the pain is too hard. I wish I was never born. See, Job shouted at God. He prayed wild prayers. He told God exactly how he was feeling. He doubted, he wept. He wondered why he was here and why all this chaos was happening to him. See, a large portion of the Psalms are laments or expressions of deep sorrow and complaints towards God. But many seem almost unacceptable in the context of worship. Psalm 88 would be one of those. You look at the last verse and it says, God, you've taken family and companions away from me. And now darkness remains my closest friend. Twice in the Bible, Jesus himself was recorded weeping. Once at the tomb of Lazarus, his close friend, and another as he did the triumphal entry into Jerusalem for the last time. I love the idea of humanity embraced in divinity. He understands our pain and he wrestles himself with attention, holding it gently for us. See, healthy grieving is not possible without paying attention to our emotions. The anger, the sadness, the depression. When we don't process the grief and loss in a healthy way before ourselves and before God, we can actually infect other people with our brokenness, with our pain and our baggage. You see, it is not theirs to carry, not mine to give to them and they carry it for me. We carry it collectively. Inside churches, there are a number of Christians who have not dealt appropriately with the emotions and the intentionality of their own spiritual journey. And that, as Pastor Andy was saying, really is the false self. Our self-sufficiency, living with a mask on, and in many ways, separate from God. But really, it's counterintuitive to turn towards our pain, isn't it? Richard Raw, who's a Franciscan priest, said this amazing statement, whatever in our life is not transformed will always be transmitted. You see, what he meant is if we don't deal with our own pain, ourself, it actually gets transmitted to those around us, be it our family, our friends, colleagues, and the next generations to come. We have a responsibility to deal with that ourselves. See, my first subject in my counselling course that started in February 2010, five months after Dad passed, I had two godly counselling professors, which I'm so thankful for. It was an experiential time and we were all given the opportunity of being the counsellee so we knew what it felt like. You see, it wasn't long before I was sitting in my chair and I was trying desperately to conceal the frustration to be a good Christian before my anger actually exploded everywhere. I couldn't control it. I didn't want to. But there was a beautiful professor there and she looked with eyes of love and care and she said, Darren, you have permission to be angry at God out loud. I tell you everyone, this meant so much to me. It actually gave me the release that I needed because I thought I couldn't be angry at God. This actually gave me a place. 
Counselling gave me a place to be real with my emotions, to speak about what was actually going on with me and process it in a healthy way, to figure out and be authentic with who I was and what I was feeling. I really want to honour Pastor Andy, Pastor Lisa and the leadership team for envisioning the GT Counselling Centre. This offers the same opportunity for everyone, irrespective of what you're going through, a safe and confidential place to process. You see, church, while we are in pain, we exist in the confusing in-between. This has been called a liminal space, that we're standing on the threshold of what was and what's next. It's a season of waiting while we are not yet knowing what's ahead. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, Paul speaks so intelligibly and beautifully about what's going on. He says, rejoice in suffering. And I read that and thought, Paul, what are you talking about? But he goes on and he says, do this because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character produces a hope that doesn't disappoint because God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You see, grief and loss and trauma mark a crossroads between a painful experience and a powerful transformation. If we have the courage to simply allow God's process to play out in our life and through the situation. Growing through pain requires learning not to allow the pain to dominate our world, but instead that it can hold a sacred place that is submissive as part of our spiritual journey. In the book that we're reading, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, this quote really stuck out to me. The quickest way to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west chasing after it, but instead run east into the darkness until you finally reach the sunrise. See, in Psalm chapter four, verse one, David would testify to this. It actually says, when I was in distress, you set me free. The proposition in here is so important. The word in, it doesn't say, you set me free from my distress, but instead God changes us in and through our circumstances. He doesn't stop the difficult events happening. Why? To gently and carefully develop our character through endurance on into hope. It was about nine months after dad passed and went home, that I was actually out exercising. I was running as I was in the habit of doing. And I got to the place that I stopped and stood and said, God, I'm done running now. I'm ready to go back together. The journey didn't happen instantaneously and it took a while to return to trust. God is so gentle and so careful with how he leads and guides and enfolds. And as I was going through my degree, there was a time when I was ready that an elective came up about loss and grief and trauma. 
In going through this, this was so amazingly helpful. It was a personal restorative journey and helped me prepare not only as a tribute to dad and the man that I wanted to be with him at that time, but that I could do this as a legacy to him in the service of others for the future. See, Job emerged from his suffering time, his time in the valley, transformed through brokenness and humility. In Job chapter 42, this is what Job says back to God. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You, God asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? And Job said, that was me. I was talking about things that I had no idea about. And church, that was me too. I can understand Job. You see, good grieving is not just letting go of the false self or our oldest nature, but instead it's allowing this to bless us as we release it as part of the process. See, one of our greatest jobs as humans and indeed as Christians is helping others process their own grief, loss and trauma in a healthy way. God is so restorative with how he does what he does because it was during 2011 that Christy's dad, Wayne, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Christmas of that very year, our family flew from Brisbane over here to Vancouver Island to spend time together. I had the invaluable opportunity of spending time with Wayne on multiple occasions, one-on-one, sitting with him, hearing his life story, the ups, the downs and everything in between, hearing what he suspected might happen once he was gone home. You see, Wayne spoke words to me that my dad would have said. He told me that he was proud of me, of our kids, of our family. This was such a beautiful two-way reconciliation. It wasn't just for my benefit. While it was, I had the opportunity of being the silent witness and celebrating Wayne in his life. So incredibly special. Two and a half months later, Wayne stepped from our life into eternity in March 2012. Another massive loss for so many, definitely for me, as a man I loved and respected. You see, we have the choice to live life from either our true self. Living from our true self is very vulnerable. It's very much more tender than our attacking or defensive postures of the mind and the ego, really our false self. Living from our true self is a place where we are not in control. Instead, we abdicate that to God, which is right and proper. It's a place where transformation happening in us is more important than getting to where we think we need to go. In this place, we are able to walk the challenging journey with others because we have faced this ourselves, both the darkness and the light and found ourselves to be unconditionally loved by God. 
See, Job concluded by saying, the Lord blessed the later part of Job's life more than the first. But this is not everyone's conclusion to life. In terms of material restoration and relational, it doesn't always happen that way. But remember, this earth is temporary. Moses, after leading the Israelite nation from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan, he never got the opportunity to enter, but simply viewed it from the mountaintop. Hebrews 11.39 would say similar, similar, that they mean the heroes of the faith were all commended for their faith, yet none received on earth what had been promised. That was for eternity. And in the same way, Moses, sitting at the summit of Mount Nebo, I suspect that he was content. He was complete. He was fulfilled in finishing the work that he was given. And then he was simply sitting in God's presence with nothing standing between him and the ultimate lover of his soul. Paul, as time was winding down for him, Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, God picks up the broken parts of our pieces, of our life, shattered dreams, and he actually puts them back together in a way that only he can, not as they were, but as he ordained them to be in the best way possible, transcending what we hope or imagine. Church, I don't know where you find yourself in this journey, but we have a team that would love to reach out to you if you were courageous enough to text life to the number at the bottom of the screen. Another opportunity is that our GT Counselling Centre is available and is a welcoming, safe and confidential environment for you to come to and process whatever is working out in your life. We would love and savour the opportunity to share that journey with you. And lastly, a 12-week curriculum called Grief Share will be coming up as part of our small group semester in September. If you find yourself in this place, I would love that you kept in touch with us and look for details. Let me pray for you as we conclude. Father God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for what you have done in and through us. Your life for us is very much a journey, challenges and high points, but you are always there. You never leave and you never forsake, despite the fact that sometimes for us, it might feel that way. Thank you that you are forever there and always ready to embrace when we turn back. God, for every person, thank you for meeting them where they're at. Take us together on a journey of maturing emotionally along with our maturing spiritually. God, we love you. You are good and you are God. Amen.